0: sixth seal has been revealed.
1: Yeah, and so after the sixth seal, we enter into Revelations chapter 7. And chapter 7 is pretty unique because it starts off with the four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of God of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth and the sea, until we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So, Revelation 7 has God sealing 12,000 out of each tribe of, the tribe of 12 tribes of Israel. So it ends up being 144,000 that are going to be sealed. Like I said, there's a lot of things in here that I just don't even understand. Some people, they call these 144,000 Billy Grahams on steroids. Evangelists that are going to go out and just preach the gospel and bring as many people to Christ as they can. What it truly is, I just take the content of Scripture as it is right there, that God is going to save 12,000 of each tribe of the tribes of Israel. So after this takes place, entering into verse 9, there is what they call a great multitude of people. And we're going to read a little bit about them for a second. It says, after this, I saw a great multitude, which no man can number, out of all the nations and kindreds and people, tongues, They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hand, crying with a loud voice, saying, Salvation unto our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels around the throne and all the elders and the beast fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered and said unto me, Do you know who these are that are arrayed in white robes and where they came from? And I said unto him, Sir, only you know. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, which have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sits upon his throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst, neither shall any the sun light upon them, neither heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into the living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. It talks about the people that have gone through this great tribulation. We just, we just did an overview of the first six seals. It's a great tribulation. And those that died in the Lord, that were believers, that were saved, were given white robes and they were granted a special position in the throne of God. Entering into verse 8, this is where the seventh seal is broken. And the scripture says in verse 1 that when the seventh seal was broken, that there was silence in heaven in the space of about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels stood before God and there were given to him seven trumpets. So now what we're gonna see, just like the seals, now there's seven angels with seven trumpets. And each one of these releases a specific type of judgment and wrath upon the ungodly world. People, this world order that, we, that is coming upon humanity as we know it. And just to kind of like, breeze through this a little bit but still not take away from the content for an example the first angel that blows its trumpet verse 7 and the first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and there it was cast upon the earth and a third part of the trees were burnt up and all the grass was burnt up so that's the first angel sounding that there's going to be massive hail and fire that are going to plague this earth. The second angel sounds, and it was as a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. And the, obviously, that's it's a symbolic language of what God is about to do, but it says a third part of the sea became blood, and a third part of the creatures which were in the sea that had life in them died, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. So from there, we see that It's going to come upon the world, a great judgment where God is going to destroy the earth with fire and with hail, the fish of the sea. And then as we enter into the third angel sounding, it says, There fell a great star from heaven, burning as it was a lamp, and it fell upon a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And a third part of the waters became wormwood and many men died of the water because it was made very bitter or poisonous. So now we're going to see that the waters are going to become contaminated, right? That, and so these are, all these are great judgments that are coming upon the world. And I beheld and heard a flying angel in the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the three angels which are yet to sound. And chapter 9, the fifth angel sounds, and there was a star from heaven falling to the earth, and to him it was given the key of the bottomless pit. So a lot of times when we see like the terminology of stars, right? Just like there were seven stars in the right hand of Jesus. And he says that these seven stars are seven angels of the seven churches, right? Now we're seeing another star, right? And so we can put two and two together and come up with the conclusion that it's an angel. Because, and it also, it makes it personal when it says to him, to the star, to him, it was given a key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and there arose smoke out of the pit and smoke as of a great furnace. And the sun and the air was darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And there was given power as scorpions of the earth have power. And and then a lot of people, a lot of scholars of done research on this they believe that this is a demonic invasion to this earth that there is going to be when they speak about the locuses. they almost describe them they do describe them with a lot of descriptions that humans have right with hair and with just crazy things to their body and they look like horses unto battle their heads had crowns of gold their faces were like the faces of men. Their hair was like the hair of women. Their teeth was as the teeth of great lions. And so you can see, this is another one of these symbolic terminologies that are used in scripture that sometimes are just really hard to understand. And you just have to sit here and say, God, God, I don't understand exactly what that means. But as we continue through in verse 11, it says, and they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in Greek tongue, his name is Apollyon. So this is an angel named Apollyon. He's a king over these locuses that the scripture describes, or demons, right? And this is, the scripture says, if we when we enter into Revelation 12, that woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and sea, for the devil has come unto you, having great wrath, for he knows he has but a short time. So this is one of these, and this is one of the woes, right? And it says, one woe is past, and behold, two woes come hereafter. And so when we see the word woe, it's one really bad thing has just happened, and now we're about to see two other bad things happen right behind it. And it talks about the next one, the loosing of the four angels in the river Euphrates, right? And these angels were loose for an hour, a day, a month, and a year to, to kill a third part of the earth. So these demons, we're about to see something on this earth we've never even seen before, right? The scripture says that the angels in Lucifer were cast to the earth, right? If we read it also in Peter that some are held in chains of darkness until the day of judgment, right? This is a revelation that we've seen, and it says the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand of this great warring, demonic, spiritual war that this world is about to be going through. But continuing on, and also in verse 18, it speaks about how one-third of the world population will die because of these evil things. And if at the end of chapter 9, which is what we're reading, verse 20, it says, And the rest of the men, which were not killed by the plagues, yet repented not of their works, of their hands, that they should worship devils, and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, neither, which can neither see, hear, nor walk, neither did they repent of their murders, their sorceries, nor their fornication, nor their thefts. So, God is calling God's, the word of God still remains strong in these last days that, listen, people, you guys need to repent, right? And they refuse to repent. And we've seen this multiple times. And because they refuse to repent, great judgments come upon them. And so, entering verse 10, and I saw a mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with the cloud, and a rainbow was around his head, and his face was as the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had his hand a little book. And in his right hand, he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried, the seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up the things which the seven thunders have uttered and do not write them down. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand towards heaven and swore by him that lives forever and ever who created the heaven and all things that are there in the earth and all things that are there in the sea and all things that are therein, that there should be a time no longer. And yeah, and so just breaking off for a second, this is just something that God did not want the human population to understand what the seven thunders uttered. But This is a time of great tribulation, but during this time, God is about to rise up a great act of redemption and mercy, and we're about to see that in Revelations chapter 11. Chapter 10, it goes through with John given this book that he was told to eat, and we look at that more, we understand that the Bible Uses that certain terminology whenever he's saying to eat of the scriptures to to as your daily bread, take it in exactly. And Revelations chapter eleven is actually one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and the reason why it is multiple reasons, but one in general is that when I read Revelations chapter eleven, it stopped me in my tracks, and I was like, man, that's intense. So in the last days, God is about to rise up two prophets. Two witnesses that are going to come upon this world with power granted by heaven like this world has never seen. These two witnesses, a lot of scholars and people that study the word believe that this is Moses and Elijah. The reason why is because the miracles that these two prophets are going to be able to perform are the identical miracles that Moses and Elijah performed in the Old Testament. Right? The scripture says that for Moses, he turned the waters into blood in Egypt when he was telling Pharaoh to let his, the people of God go. So these prophets, and we're going to read a little bit into it. So, Revelation chapter 11, starting at verse 3 And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. So it's, they're going to prophesy for three and a half years. And this is where a lot of people, they speak about the seven year tribulation period that's going to come upon this earth. So verse four, these are the two olive trees, the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man hurts them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, they must in this manner be killed. They have power to shut the heavens so that it does not rain during the days of their prophecy. And they have power over water to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with as many plagues as often as they will. And when I envision this, I envision two men of God sold out, just devoted to God, calling for the world to repent. And I can almost envision it in my mind, you know, them declaring condemnation and judgment upon the porn industry, upon all these different industries that corrupt the earth with fornication and with lust whether it be the music industry, the entertainment industry, they're going to Hollywood to Los Angeles, to Miami, they're, they are going to pronounce judgments upon this world. They're going to say, listen, you are dead wrong for doing this. Repent. And if you don't repent, I'm going to pray to the God of heaven so that it does not rain for three and a half years, or for as long as that I want it to not rain upon this earth. Same thing with releasing different types of plagues. It says they can release as many plagues as they want. These two prophets are going to have a world scene. They're going to have a mic that reaches the entire world. They're going to be able to perform miracles. And what's powerful about these two prophets, right, is that they're obviously going to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the only way. They're going to come preaching the gospel of truth. They're gonna become ministers of God, bringing grace into the life of believers, but also they're gonna be speaking against the immorality and wickedness of the human heart and people that have been possessed by Satan to do his will instead of God's will. And so what's interesting about these two prophets is that when they finish their testimony, So at the end of these three and a half years, when they finish proclaiming truth upon this earth, it says that the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and kill them. And we're going to see the beast in Revelations chapter 13. But when the beast kills these two prophets... It says, their dead bodies shall lie in the streets of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Verse 9 says, And, and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and they shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. So, these two prophets are going to lie in the streets And what I thought was interesting about this as well, if you look at that scripture with a lens, it says that those the people of all the different tribes and nations and tongues will be able to see their bodies. Back in the day, that was not possible because we did not have cameras. We didn't have news. We didn't have things where all these different nations and people could look upon one event. Just as I'm speaking about this, how many of us remember looking at the event that was taking place in, I believe it was Thailand, where whole soccer team was trapped in a cave underwater, like two and a half miles in this cave, and the entire world was transfixed and watching these boys in a cave and everyone praying and hoping that they come out alive, right? But this is a, obviously a different scenario. There's two prophets that have prophesied upon this world For three and a half years, and the beast arises and kill them, kills them, and the people do not suffer their bodies to be put into graves, so they let them lay in the streets for three and a half days. And what's more powerful than that is that, as you follow along, is in verse ten it says, "And those that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets." tormented them that dwelt upon the earth. So people are going to have a party. Thank God these two prophets are dead because they've done nothing but release havoc upon the earth, right? But in truth, they're just proclaiming truth. They're releasing judgments upon the earth and everyone starts sending gifts. They're so happy. And verse 11, Revelations 11, verse 11, this scripture, it was just so powerful to me because I can almost envision it. It says, and after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. They stood upon their feet and here it is. Great fear fell among all those that saw him. When I envision this, I envision CNN, NBC, Fox News. I mean, all the major news broadcasting companies of the world. Whether it be from China to Bangladesh, you name it, they're going to, everyone's going to be live streaming this. And when they rise upon their feet, it says great fear fell into the hearts of everyone that saw this. And then a voice comes from heaven saying, come up here. And it says they ascended into heaven on a cloud. And it said that same hour was a massive earthquake. Unlike, and it says, in the earthquake, 7,000 people die. And it says, everyone that was left became extremely affrightened and gave glory to the God of heaven. And so when I think about that, imagine seeing that with your own eyes, these two prophets coming back to life. After everyone's seen them lie dead for three and a half days and they arise upon their feet and as soon as they're called up by God a massive earthquake took place and 7000 men die and right behind that it says the second woe is past behold the third woe comes quickly and and then it says the seventh angel sounded and there was a great voice in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our lord and of his christ and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders which sat before God fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, Lord God Almighty, which was, which art, and which are to come, because you have taken your great power and you have reigned. The nations were angry, thy wrath is come, the time of the dead that they should be judged, and you should give reward unto your servants, the prophets, the saints, and them that fear thy name, great and small and you should destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen the temple, the ark of his testament. There was lightning and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. And so just taking a quick minute to backtrack on what we just read. When I saw that, right behind there, it talks about great revival. If you look through the scripture, right? It says the rest became a and gave glory to the God of heaven right? And then right behind that, it says the kingdoms of this world that become the kingdoms of his Lord and of his Christ. And so this happens. A lot of people believe that this is the first seven years of the great tribulation, right? And then this, the last three and a half years of the tribulation, which is Revelations chapter 13, is the beast, the false prophet and the beast, which are going to be the Antichrist, which will be able to perform miracles in the sight of people. Thessalonians, they call him the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worshiped. So, yeah, and so that's Revelations chapter 11. And as you get into Revelations chapter 12, we have another overview where we see the nation of Israel, we see the woman, the seed of the woman, giving birth. To the messiah the devil ready to destroy the child as soon as it's born the woman flees into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of god and as you just read through and when you look at that if you read revelations 12 and see the symbolic meaning and you align it with the story of jesus where king harold when he found out that jesus was going to be born killed all the children in the land two and a half years and younger and so obviously we know that satan had possessed that king during jesus's time to kill the children to destroy the messiah right but that the messiah was that mary and joseph were warned by god in a dream that they should go into egypt and it preserved jesus's life but also looking into this, Revelation chapter 7, it says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world, he was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now is come salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. But woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and sea, for the devil has come unto you, having great wrath, because he knows he has but a short time." And so anyway, as you see, what we got right there was a glimpse into heaven, that there was a war in heaven where Michael, the archangel, was granted power and position to fight against Lucifer, the fallen angel, the anointed cherub, if you say, that was described in Ezekiel in that they were cast out of heaven. Evil was cast out of heaven. And so when we say the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven, because Satan's gonna be cast out of this earth too. He's gonna to be put into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, and that's where he'll be tormented day and night forever. But until God does that, right, he's gonna be on earth for a short time, right? Now, when we think about short time, we think about a little lifespan maybe 10 years, five years, a couple of months, a couple of weeks that's short to us, right? The scripture says a thousand years is as a day with the Lord and a day is a thousand years. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some people look at it as slackness, but is merciful, willing that all should repent and none should perish. When we see this, what we see is it was a spiritual war in heaven between Michael and Lucifer and the angels of God in heaven in the angels of the devil
0: i need to take a pause because i feel like you just hit a fast forward button there i feel like i'm watching a movie that's just literally like now in fast forward mode okay so can i take a step back here for a second i know we're coming to an end here on today's lesson guys so we're bear with us here as we wrap up this episode but okay i'm gonna just go back for a second so we've got the seven angels with the seven trumpets and each one of them represented pretty much the wrath Right, These different pieces, they blew the horn and boom, the wrath started coming down. And one of them, I think it was the fourth one, pretty much opened up the gates of hell. Is what it sounded like that's we've heard these terms and stuff right and so that's
1: the key to the bottomless pit the key
0: to the bottomless pit right it's like the gates of hell have been opened and all that have been chained and held back that couldn't show their wickedness are gonna be revealed revealed. they're gonna come out and just run rampant and we're gonna see if you will demonology and humans if you will that are mutated into forms that we just have never zombies comprehended yeah this could be the zombie thing you're talking about these lion teeth and eyes and female male mixtures and who knows but what spiritually yeah. but spiritually right yeah all of this is a conversation about the mystic i'm always going to assume there's metaphor versus literal right we have to be high-minded here and get this at a larger dna level than oh that can't happen right but at this point what i'm getting also is that there's this and so that starts to happen and literally it's funny because it happens after all the seven seals have been opened and it's almost like you can't imagine there's much left of the earth anyway, right? But we have seen all this massive destruction on the planet already, whereby we continue to survive it, right? The seven signs make it sound like hey, what could be left? It's in you know, dust already, but no, we've seen Hiroshima, we've seen the nuclear plants melt down, and we've seen such great devastation on earth already and humans still continue to prevail over and over. So now. Humanity is still prevailing after the seven signs, right? And the seven seals have been revealed. Seven seals and the seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets now. now, And now we've got the woes, right? But now, what I like about part of that and what it really resonates with me on is I go back to, I always hear the voice of skeptics against Christianity in my head. You may not, right? Because you're a different kind of believer than I am, right? But I do. And there are parts of me that have had this kind of, love of Christ and truths from my entire childhood till now but there are parts of me obviously and also as my great time of sin that I hear the skeptic right and one of the skepticisms I had and for much of my life even when I was probably more pure maybe part of my own faith a little bit more is that I never liked the idea or the sound or the, the conversation around Christians can just ask for forgiveness at the end and go to heaven it always sounded wrong to me. It always felt wrong to me. It felt like it gave Christianity the golden key to just go massacre and destroy and take civilizations and be greedy. And then they can just go, oh God, I'm sorry, I repent. And they're forgiven. And so that has bothered me much like it bothers many non-believers right and non-believers it's i can't argue with a lot of non-believers right i'm not coming at this from that kind of faith right get and respect non-believers and why they are all right but in this after all that has gone down and understanding the heart of man and when i say man man and woman some gender thing but understanding the heart of man you can't believe until you believe and so you can't repent if you really aren't a believer no and so uh, that is a sliver for me whereby god shows us over and over and gives us time and time again to come into our faith and then recognize ourselves in it and repent and that's the loving part and then add this new concept to me and this is new to me i have not heard a lot of people talk about the two prophets i watch a lot of history channel stuff too and And most of those, as I've said before in the show, most of the History Channel stuff and modern-day media stuff are all biblical documentaries or Bible documentaries that dispute the Bible, that they do a very good job of romanticizing the kind of terminology and they give you the visuals and they show you them the time and then they say but there was no jesus at that time and there's no way jesus was white and there's a million different things about where we see this large media and i do believe media is a part of the great satan it's a part of the great evil and so one of the tools one of the swords or the sword it's not not even the nuclear the the sword could be of the is media but i have not ever had a chance until this very moment to understand that these two prophets get to be here and on earth and being witnessed for a period of time before the Messiah comes again. That's new to me. And then the fact that they die and then get resurrected in three days front of the, the world. Yeah. So that the human brain, the human existence, the, the soul within human body can no longer deny that the mystic is real. Because when you say angels, We don't get to see them, right? Maybe a few do. But when we say all these other spiritual entities, those are things that aren't available to us to the eye. But now we get these human prophets and they're not like, they're not the Messiah. They're not Joshua coming back again. They are humans with great power and great prophecy. And then they die. We all watch them come back, resurrect, and then go to heaven. And then, now that the veil has been totally lifted and humans recognize that we live in a mystical world and it can't be denied, a great fear just waves across humanity. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the mystic is real. Like the spiritualism thing is real. Like we just saw it with our own eyes. And then Satan gets to come and go. The beast gets to come and go. Now that you've seen it, it's on, right? And now I'm going to use all my powers in front of you to show you and use this fear, right? You yeah, feel me?
1: Absolutely, and that sets the stage for the next chapter or the next prophecy that is gonna be revealed of the beast coming up, arising, and being able to take complete control of the monetary system. This is where six, success money comes in because, and everything, yeah, right? Yeah, because you can, if you look at what's- or the go- mark of the beast. Yeah, if you look at what's gonna happen over that, for an example, The president issues a tweet, the stock market goes down 800 points. You see something like that, people don't even care about that anymore. You can imagine the world economy crashing completely. 401Ks out the window and you name it. It goes all the way into the most detailed aspects of life.
0: And then just before we go on this episode, and I do pray that we get a chance to get in front of this microphone again because we do have more work to do. If not, I know it's God's will, but you said chapter 11, verse 11.
1: That's when the Spirit of God enters into the two prophets, and they stand upon their
0: feet. Now right now, for anyone who might be listening, this 11-11 thing has been going on all over the place now. People have been seeing 11:11 they were now posting 1111 make a wish on 1111 like for me that was the first angel number that started to come to me a year and a half ago and i had no idea why 1111 was at all significant to me at all and i was now seeing it on my phone i was being told that this 1111 thing was coming down and it was important and then i during my wake up 333 came to me and it was all up in me, and then I was baptized on 555, right? So now these angel numbers are now mass all over the place. People are talking about them, seeing them, but 1111 is where it started, and this is in Revelations chapter 11, verse 11, when the gods, repeat it one more time, what does it say on 1111, yeah, and we'll leave it yeah,
1: that says today. It says, and at the three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. They stood upon their feet, and great fear fell among all those that saw.
0: Boom another resurrection not one but two human beings in front of all eyes like you said that could only be seen on media and the fact that they had been Persecuted so deeply and celebrated in their death shows you the kind of power that's at hand. And we've seen that with other freedom fighters, if you will. I think they drug shake Guevara's body behind a vehicle down the road to show everybody. He, and he's truly dead. And then nobody could see. Yeah,
1: Gaddafi, see, you know, Mussolini.
0: All of them. This comes from that great conqueror power of, hey, we have killed your prophets. They're not. That, you know, your fighters, you're, they're human, we, they lost, we win, and, then, and watch them rot. We're going to let you watch them rot in the street, everybody, to show you who's in power here. And then, boom, they stand up and get ascended into heaven. And now we understand that this is actually not just when the beast gets to have full reign and really realizes his time is limited, but that means that there is Jesus in the womb again. What you're saying is that, if not at that moment, that he comes back, that the mother of the new, res- or the new second coming.
1: So yeah, after that, and this is something just to touch on real quick: the seventh trumpet sounds. Okay,
0: yeah, I wasn't counting it when you yeah, were doing yeah. that.
1: Yeah, after Revelations 11, right after the the seventh trumpet sounds, Revelations 12 is an overview of what took place with Israel, God's chosen, the birth of the Messiah the war in heaven with Satan against God's angels, and then Satan being cast to earth. And then following that is where we enter into Revelations 13, which is Satan is going to be given authority, he's gonna take possession of this world as the prince of this earth.
0: And you've shared that, and I don't wanna tease our audience here, so how many chapters again in the book of Revelations? 21. Okay, 21, so I feel like you did an amazing job, Shane, of walking us through the first 12. We're over halfway through the book of Revelations right now. I feel like it's a part of me now. I don't know how I missed it all these years, or and this is a part of what's so precious for me, is there's almost a sense of avoidance with the Bible so often right that it feels like it's a burden maybe particularly people like myself who don't really come from a bible relationship but i just spent the last couple hours with you and we just walked through half of the book of revelations and it's digestible it's palatable it's epic it's extreme it's amazing it's whatever but it's palatable it's not like i can't get through this book and then make up my own mind and my own heart about how to feel about this it isn't that odd. Maybe odd's the right word, but it's not undigestible. Yeah, John's words on paper make for a very clear story. And we already got through half of it. It's not going to take me years or a lifetime to get to the book of Revelations. It honestly is going to take two sessions with you. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the first session, man.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. All right.
0: Can we close out in prayer? Let's pray. Okay.
1: Almighty Father God, blessed Lord Jehovah, blessed Yeshua, almighty Great God, we thank you for this day. We pray your blessings and mercy upon both of us and upon all the listeners. We pray that the power of the Holy Spirit can enlighten us to the truth of life. We pray, God, that your anointing will come upon all of us and that we may receive the words that you have given us and that we may hide them in our heart, that we may not sin against you. Prepare us, Lord, and prepare your believers and saints, God, and believe those that even unbelieve that you can bring them into your kingdom. We thank you for all that you do and all that you're going to continue to do. And it's through the glorious and blessed name of Yeshua HaMashiach, the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Truth Mm say.